Well, hello, everyone. It is good to see you. And uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to see if I can get everybody's. Yep, I can see most of you. That's fantastic. Um, I uh, We want to continue in Romans, although um, let me just start off by asking how many of you read Romans chapter 15. Uh, if you did, just sort of wave at me. Romans 15, Romans 15. It's great. Three, three of you, four of you, five. All right. <laughs> awesome. Yes, that's really cool. It's good to see some of you. I haven't seen you in a while. Rachel, good to see you. Um, you, uh, you did good. You read chapter 15. I'm not going to actually speak directly from 15. I'm going to be looking at 14, well, pretty much 14 through 16, have a similar kind of flow to it. And so I didn't want to read all three chapters to you or try to pull from all three chapters as that would be a long sermon. Um, but to kind of uh, situate, because Romans 14 has a particular section that sort of captures this. So if you read 15, you'll see what I mean by that. And next week, we'll finish with 16. Um, so that'll be our last in the series. And I'll, at the end of the service, I'll talk to you about what we're doing next, which is really exciting for me. Um, and I think will be so for you. Hopefully, anyways. Um, and uh, so Romans 14 is what we're going to look at. We could easily have titled this section, Am I My Brother's Keeper? And that'll be the, the sermon uh, title for this morning. Am I My Brother's Keeper? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Am I My Brother's Keeper? Uh, that originates from the book of Genesis. Um, let me pause here. Get your fingers ready because... Most of what we're going to do today will be me asking questions and reading from the chat feed. So I might need some help. I might need some help from some of you with that. Uh, it's going to be a dialogue. Um, and I think that that's sometimes important uh, because we learn a lot by engagement, more so than we do by just simply listening and taking in. Um, okay, back to the sermon. Am I my brother's keeper? Where does that originate from? For those of you who've heard this before, um, this is common. This is used actually in, you know, secular world um, to refer to this idea of, is it my responsibility to care for other people? Um, and the answer generally is, or the implied answer is, yes, you are. You know, we are our brother's keeper. So this is a, um, a story that had been told by Jews for a long time. Um, try not to think of it as like, okay, there was Genesis, and then after that there was this, and then after that there was that. It's, it's much more like these Jews are sitting here in exile uh, at the time, so they have lost their, um, their empire, their, their autonomy, their, their nation, their freedom, and um, they're in exile, and they're starting to write down the stories and retell the stories of their people. Their, their tribe, their storytellers, they pass on these uh, for generations. And these became symbols, they became myths. They became so true that they were truer than just simply historical facts. They were true in that you and I keep repeating these same scenarios, these same circles over and over again. We do the same things our ancestors did. Can we learn from what our ancestors learned? And so this is one of them. Am I my brother's keeper? That comes from Cain and Abel. And uh, Cain 
becomes jealous of his brother, kills his brother. And God says, you know, where's your brother? And Cain's like, why is that my responsibility? You you know, I'm not the father. I'm not, this is, I'm not responsible. And that's what's implied there. And so what the question is that that the Jewish people were wrestling with was, you know, this issue of responsibility to one another, to other Jewish people, our brothers and sisters, right? Um, but it, it, in their mind, wasn't, am I my brother's keeper in the sense of, am I also the keeper of even Gentiles, non-Jews? That would have never entered their minds. It was, am I my brother's keeper, meaning another Jewish person, and my responsibility to them, All right? So, now, same thing applies to the Constitution of the United States, right? Think about, <clears throat> we hold these truths to be self-evident. These are our forefathers who, who wrote this. That all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, who were they thinking of when they wrote this? They were thinking of mostly most people, but not necessarily African slaves. Are you with me? Because many of them had African slaves. So that wasn't on their minds. So what this points to is this ever evolving kind of our understanding of who is our responsibility. And from a scriptural standpoint, the responsibility is always expanding. It's not contracting. It's not like, Oh, your only responsibility is your sister, literally, your sister or your brother, if, you're, if you have a sibling. Or, or, or your mom and dad, that's it. That's your only responsibility. Or yourself, that's it. You're just responsible for yourself. It's no, there's a measure of responsibility that goes beyond all of that. To what degree? That's always the question, right? Because you can become over-responsible or we can be under-responsible. But there's a sense of connection to the human race that is ever expanding. And we see that in scripture and we see that in the constitution and the constitution is ever expanding too, as well as we're realizing like, Oh no, there's more than that for responsibility. Like we also have to care about other people as well. That oftentimes are not, we're not thought of when we were designing or thinking about this particular, like for example, the constitution or in Cain and Abel, the issue of who is my brother. Um, All right, so uh, this is what happens when our circles collide, right? So this is what is going on in Romans. In Romans, this is the first church in Rome. This is like the start of this thing that they don't even know what to call it. There's this thing that's happening. But this thing, this religious or faith thing, it's not a religion yet. This thing that's a a faith thing is um, predominantly a Jewish thing. And so uh, they're thinking in terms of Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus was resurrected. And we have begun following Jesus, the Jewish man. He's not a Gentile fellow. He's, he's Jewish. And therefore, even though we are moving against some of our, our religious ways of thinking, our previous religious ways of thinking, maybe not, not against, but it's changing, certainly, and it's looking very different. That's all. That, that, this, is, this is what's happening at this time. And they're now thinking, well, of course, whatever Jesus is saying has to do with, with us as Jewish people. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. Jesus was actually expanding the circle. And, and, and this is what's happening right now. And so Gentiles are coming in. Right? 
And so the Jews are like, wait, the faith is for us. It's not for, what do you mean it's for Gentiles too? And then they start to say, well, great, it's for Gentiles, but they have to look like us. They have to behave like us. We have to assimilate them into our ways of doing things, right? They've got to speak our language. They've got to look like us. They've got to dress like us. They've got to behave like us. That's common human thinking. There's nothing, there's nothing abnormal about that. If that's the way you think as an American, welcome to the human condition. <laughs> we're, we're all this way. Every last one of us, no matter how open we are or think we're open, we're all that way. And so when Paul is addressing this, he is saying, look, something has changed and Gentiles are coming in and our circles are colliding. Cain and Abel, who's my brother? Oh, do you mean that there's more than that? The Constitution. Oh, you mean even African slaves are created with these inalienable rights? Oh, wait, uh, Jews and Gentiles even earlier, this, this whole Jews and Gentiles thing, this is also one of those? Yeah, so circles are always colliding. And what do you do then? And so this is what Paul is, is dealing with. And dealing with it as best as he can. And, 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 and this is amazing, quite frankly. It's, it's, uh, that's why scripture is so inspired, is because what the, the issues they're dealing with are incredibly challenging issues. And Paul is dealing with them in what I think is, is absolutely inspired and, um, and guided by, by the Holy Spirit. So this is where we get to some of these issues in Romans 14 that we briefly talked about last week. There's an issue, and the issue has to do with the Jews think that the Gentiles should not eat meat, particularly meat that's been sacrificed to idols. And uh, now, uh, what do we do? Because now there's the, the Gentiles are saying, no, we, we can. And Paul is saying, hey, it's okay for you to eat meat. And the, the Jews are just up in arms about this. And this is so serious for them. Each of them really believes strongly what they believe. It's so serious that it's threatening to divide the church. And so Paul is addressing these circles that are colliding, these ways of thinking as to how we understand things and what now is happening in our current, age, in our current society. So I'm, I'm going I'm to suggest that we're at one of those crossroads here. Um, I'm not speaking about America as a country. I'm speaking about us who are people of faith who are trying to follow Jesus. Now, we're at a crossroads, and one of those crossroads is this issue of, is this just a faddish thing? Is this a thing that we're, you know, with Black Lives Matter? Is this just a thing that we have to participate in because we feel a pressure to, or for other various reasons that are more self-preservational reasons? Or is this one in which the Spirit may be guiding and doing something different to include um, more people, not by simply saying, hey, we want just one massive circle, but really to discern that our circles are too small and maybe our circles need to expand and our hearts need to grow. And as a matter of an issue, it's an issue of love. It's not an issue of political correctness. It's an issue of the heart of God that is within us. And we all have the heart of God. So sometimes our hearts are a little small, like the Grinch, you know, and uh, our hearts need to grow bigger. Uh, so, and we all have the Grinch in us at some point, right? So uh, our hearts need to grow a little bit. We need to leak a little bit. I love that. I'm leaking. Yeah, that's, it's, that's the heart waking up. And when we wake up, we start to actually feel empathy and compassion for other people. 
And that's part of the, the, the issue of the heart that I believe Paul captures here in Romans 15, 14 and 15. It is so much the heart of God it has nothing to do with like, let's try to create something that's uh, cool and hip and progressive. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, do you care? Is your heart awake? Do you, do you love? And do you, do you feel the heart of God in you waking you up and causing you to love other people? And, and that's really what, what drives this whole thing for Paul. So as crusty as, as Paul can be at times or feel at times, uh, Paul is deeply moved by the love of Christ. And that's what compels him to say, can we start to listen and try to really do this as a family? So here's where we begin in Romans 14, verse 15, and we're going to read 15 through 18. And I'm going to ask questions, and I would love some participation. It looks like some have already. Uh, yeah, all right. I love it. Yes. From uh, Lori, but it may be, was it? Yeah, daughter, Hannah. Okay, awesome. Yes, I, I, I was thinking the same thing when I was reading that. I was hoping someone would catch that. It was mostly about men. Absolutely. Women were not even included yet. In the, that's in the Constitution piece. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So, um, all right, so verse um, 14, or 15 uh, in chapter 14. If your brother is distressed, or sister, I like how uh, the uh, NIV has both in there. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Um, okay, so... Um, I personally, when I read this sort of stuff, can, I can easily turn my finger and wag it at the church, right? Very easy for me to do. I can just go, yeah, what's wrong with you people, right? But the reason I would say that is because actually I'm troubled by it. And so when I'm troubled by something, I like to turn my finger on other people. It's easier that way. Um, but uh, if you look at this verse, right, I have a problem with it um, because let me uh, look at it again. If your brother or sister is distressed by what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. So my question to this then is, uh, why? I mean, why is it my responsibility? Why is it my responsibility to to care about what you know what other people think? Um, if I, if my brother or sister is distressed, I would think, well, that's your issue and that's your problem. You probably have to grow. You probably have to change. I mean, why is your distress a problem for me? Why, why should I be troubled by that? To my mind, I think you're going to limit me because you have a problem. So that's my, and I'm, I'm just being honest about how the internal mechanism that goes on. It's not what I say. All the time. Sometimes I do, but it's um, but it is what's within me. Oftentimes, um, so if my brother is distressed, the verses. If my brother is distressed because of what you eat, um, you are no longer acting love. Why should that be my problem? It should not be a problem. Amen, Rachel. We live as a community of believers, not as individuals in a community of believers. Ooh, we are, we live as a community, not as individuals in a community. 
Okay. That's pretty good. What are some other thoughts around that? Let me move to uh, verse uh, 16, because this will keep going. Well, uh, some of these are, are tricky because in some sense, we're trying to discern, you know, it, 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 certainly this is not like for every, this doesn't speak to everything. Like we ought to be worried about everybody's issues and constantly be changing ourselves in order to adapt to people. That's not what the point of this is, is at all. Um, but that's what it can seem to us. Um, and in that sense, you would have to respond differently. But there's something here Paul is getting at. So um, I'm trying to track with it because my reaction is the opposite. Like, please, you know, if you've got a problem, I care, yes, but I'm not necessarily going to change my life uh, for that. So there's, there's something here about my individualism that is being challenged. Um, so, okay, love means, Eric says, love means uh, we lay down our rights for others. Yeah. Uh, and support community exactly from Rachel. I love my brothers and sisters by holding them accountable and calling them to their higher selves through compassion and grace. Yeah, don't give up. That's right. So there's there's all kinds of ways of doing this. Don't give up your boundaries for others. Yeah. So some of, by the way, this is important because some some of us have erred on the other side and gone too way overboard by like, you know, being controlled by other people. And that's not love. That's not the heart of love. Love is also truth. Remember, we talked about this last week. He's speaking the truth in love. It, it, you have to do that as well. But uh, but there's something here to this idea of um, of these colliding circles and the expansion of that circle. Let's look at verse uh, sixteen, or is it still fifteen? It might still be fifteen. Do not yet is, do not by your own eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Uh, you know, so some of my questions is, you know, how is that destructive? I'm not destroying anyone, right? Um, I don't think that I'm destroying anyone. Oftentimes I've said, and I said this in a post recently on Facebook that, um, I might give myself an out by saying things like, you know, as it relates to um, to uh, the issue of race today, is that I might say I'm not a racist, right? So I might argue I'm not destroying anybody, but Paul's bringing up the possibility that exists and that was happening in his day that, yeah, you are actually destroying and you could destroy somebody for whom Christ died by a particular freedom you believe you have. Um, and we are definitely pro-freedom here in this country. And I'm pro-freedom. Um, you know, totally like, you know, freedom, individual freedom, personal freedom, uh, to do whatever it is we want. And Paul is saying, yes, but keep in mind, you could also destroy somebody with that freedom. Okay, so then uh, verse 16, therefore do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. Um, again, this troubles me because why should I care about that? Why should I care about other people and they, what they think? Isn't it, isn't it very much a, a thing today to say, I don't care what anybody thinks? I'm going to do, is, don't you hear that all the time? Like, I don't care what anybody thinks. We shouldn't care what anybody else thinks. And there's a measure of that that's actually necessary because this is part of us that needs to 
separate ourselves sometimes. We lose, we can many, there are some personality types that you lose yourself in the world of other people and you need to kind of pull yourself out. And that can cause some of this like, I don't care what anybody thinks. And that's actually helpful for you to move out of that space, right? But then there's this other side uh, and many of us have that, which is we end up pulling completely away from people and being like, I don't care what anybody thinks and um, I'm not responsible and you know, who cares? My reputation, whatever, I don't care. Oh, Mario, yeah, hate to bring this up, but we wear masks for others, not for ourselves. Uh, today, we say that we can do whatever we want unless it affects others. Yeah, well, this is what we've been saying, like, <clears throat> um, you know, there's, there's personal freedom and then there's also responsibility, right? So this is something that's really tricky for, for some of us to keep balanced, right, our thoughts, is like, there's freedom, I have freedom, and I have freedom to do whatever I want, but not really, right? Do we, to, do we really have total freedom? Think about this for a moment. None of us really do. You still have to wear your seatbelt. You still have to drive the speed limit, although most of us don't. You still have to, uh, you still can't allow a kid, you know, a 10 year old to drive a semi. That's not gonna, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, there's a lot of things like that, that we just don't, we think as a society, this is wise. And, you know, at first we fought against it, but then eventually we thought, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so there's this whole thing of like, we live with people. So we have this sort of responsibility and we're ever balancing this, this, uh, tension out that there's personal responsibility. And what Paul is saying here is really uh, emphasizing this personal responsibility piece quite a bit. Like it matters how we do this together as a community of faith and that we actually care deeply about other people, right? Um, I want to get to that part too. There's a, there's a verse here that I want to get to in a minute. All right. So for the kingdom, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. All right. So this is not like the kingdom of God is not a matter of partying on, you know, that's, that's not what's happening here. The eating and drinking, the eating and drinking was this, this ceremonial, this religious um, belief system that existed, which was again, not eating certain foods like meat, like certain kinds of meat, pork, uh, definitely a no, no. Uh, so these are the issues they're, they're wrestling with um, as Jewish people. Um, and Paul says, uh, and, and so what would have happened would, it would have been that certain Jews and the Jews and the Gentiles were having this argument. The Jews are judging the Gentiles. The Gentiles are reacting because they're frustrated by this and they're reacting with condescension, with contempt. And, um, and he is, Paul is addressing this saying, you guys, I mean, everybody's arguing about who's right and wrong. There's always this argument, particularly right now with race and with COVID, it's a matter of who's right and wrong. And there's a lot of arguing around that, right? Even in the church. Uh, and the church has, has divided uh, along the lines of race as well, and has increasingly since the 70s. There's been a, an increased polarization of the church and an, ex, and an increased separation um, in terms of race um, in, in the church of Jesus Christ, um, which is really, um, should be alarming to us. It has, hasn't really been but it should be that there are, and people say, well, no, we're all united. No, we're not because we're actually not doing church together. We're doing separately. Um, and that's, that's really what's happening there. 
for Paul, there's no idea of this separation. Like they're doing church together. They're actually meeting together, the Jews and the Gentiles. He didn't say, well, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's have a Gentile church and let's have a Jewish church. And let's just say that we're united and, but just have several different denominations, maybe 40,000 plus denominations. Paul is saying, this is the church. It is one church. This is the, the prayer of Jesus Christ in, in John 17. Like, we might be one, right? Unity, unified, working together, not agreeing on everything, but loving each other despite this. And this is what Paul is getting at here. He's like, this is not a matter of eating and drinking. This is not a matter of right and wrong. This is not a matter of arguing who's right, who's wrong, who's free, who's not. And even Paul thinks, I think this other group is wrong. He says it. He says, for me, eating meat is fine. There is nothing wrong with it. However, that's not what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. And righteousness in here, in the context in which it's used, is not personal righteousness between me and God, which is what I would think. Like, oh yeah, I'm good with God. Everybody else has to deal with their own stuff. It's not that. It's right living by other people. That's the con- That's the word, the definition of the word righteousness and the way it's used in scripture universally has to do with how we behave towards one another. And it would have to do that because what's the number one commandment in the scriptures? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right? So it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God, period, right? Verse 17 or 18, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is, see, see where it is right there at the, towards the end, anyway, it, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God, right? We would think that that should have a period there, right? It's pleasing to God. But he says, and receives human approval as if that matters. Interesting. Because most of us would think that what matters is God's approval, not human approval. In some cases, Paul actually does say that. (laughs) God's approval matters, you know, because we tend towards extremes. And so this is why sometimes the other extreme has to be brought in or the balance has to be brought in to say, no, it does matter because how we treat one another does matter. And the way people respond is evidence that we're doing the right thing. And so I would suggest the same thing in terms of what's happening today in, in the issue with the issue of race, is that um, we have not been, as a church, as the, the predominantly white church, evangelical church, has not received approval from most of the black uh, community, and particularly bro- black brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so that being the case, that should be um, something we think about working on, like, well, okay, if we're not receiving God's approval and human approval in terms of the church, that's a strong indication, particularly if you look at the whole context of Romans 14, 15, and the way I'll finish with 16 will we'll be sort of a punch end to this thing. And I think it'll land it hopefully for all of us. But that's the idea there is like your community that works together. It's like, it's like, this is the, this is the, this is a team issue. It's like, the game is rigged in such a way that there's no individual winners. The, 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 the race, meaning the race of faith, our race of faith in Jesus Christ is not an individual race in which my performance is the way I'm going to be judged. My individual performance. 
even when you think of verses where it, it sounds like that, it's almost always the collective you rather than an individual you. Uh, and so it's as if God says, look, here's a race, but it's a race, it's a team race. There's squads everywhere, four, 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 four. And it doesn't matter if one of you finishes the line before everybody else. It only matters that all four of you finish together. And it's as if God says to his family, his kids, you guys better figure this out. And you better figure it out. You know how mom and dad have done that if you had siblings? It was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you ever get to that point, your parents? It's like, I am done. Figure it out between the two of you or the three of you. And you're just like, you're out, right? Um, well, God doesn't get exasperated that way, I don't, I don't suspect. But in a very helpful way, I believe God does say to them. And actually, let me read to you verse chapter 15 where Paul actually does say that, interestingly enough. Um, he says here uh, in verse 14, 15 verse 14, um, kind of the reverse of what we started out, 14 verse 15. So 15, uh, 15, chapter 15, verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Who is he speaking to? The Gentiles and the Jews who are disagreeing with each other. He is saying to them, your hearts are good, even though sometimes there's a little bit of ugly that's coming out. You have enough knowledge in your head and your hearts to do this. You're competent. You have the capacity, the skills to, to, to teach each other and to really learn from one another, right? I love that. This is what you're capable of doing. And I believe God has given us, Vine 39 and many other churches that are predominantly white. You guys can do this, man. You guys have good hearts. Stop listening to the media. Stop getting caught up in Fox News and CNN. It's all crap. It's, it's, it really is. It's designed, if you, if you have the eyes of Jesus Christ, you will see it. It's designed to divide. It's designed to get you to watch. It has nothing to do with truth. It has nothing to do with righteousness, peace, or joy in the Holy Spirit. If you were to actually begin to measure everything you listen by, is that created, is that designed to create right living between me and the other person? Peace between me and the other person who's on the other side of the political aisle or on the other side of this issue and joy in the Holy spirit between us communal joy. If you begin to measure things by that criteria, you would probably stop listening to half of what you listen to, if not more. And so with everything in me as your pastor, I implore you to stop listening to that garbage. There's plenty of other sources that are better than that. What goes in here eventually makes its way down here. And what it does is it, it pulls out the darker part of you. But here's the truth about who you really are. You, every single last one of you, you have goodness in you. You have competence. You have enough of Jesus Christ, of spirit within you to do this. Because you're beautiful 
and you're godly and you really do have love at the core of who you are. That's the truth. And we lose that truth sometimes in the heat of things. And so we can say to that noise with all the distractions, well, look at the extremes over here. Look at the rioters. Look at this and look at that. Cut the noise, man. Cut the noise. What's your heart? Do you love? Do you care? It's as simple as that. And do you want to see transformation happen? And so that's really, I think, much more of the heart that's happening behind here. And Paul believes that we can figure it out. So <laughs> I think he's a little insane sometimes when I look at us and I go, man, that's a lot to, to believe. You know, he's got a lot of faith. But Paul believes this. And a church is very divided. He believes you guys can figure this out. And I believe we can. And so at my best, I also believe that we can do something different and we can begin to believe to act differently. And, uh, and I believe that about us as a church. So um, I just want to pause here and, and get some of your thoughts on here. This is definitely in no way complete. I haven't sort of like, bam, here's the home run hit. This is the conclusive statement about all this. This does not address policy. This has nothing to do with that. You know, there's a lot left unsaid. Um, but I at least wanted to, um, to have a conversation starter for us uh, as, a, uh, as a community. I love that, Jen. This makes me, that makes me want to act in a way that adds to the beauty instead of debating. Yes. Oh, I love that. Amen. Mm. So good. Jim's common unrighteous content focuses on our side is right instead of how we are related well to everyone. Amen. 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 So, and then it's funny because Paul says, even though I know you guys can figure it out, then he says, but here's, here's what I do want you to know. Like, uh, this is still like, so I would still say, hey, stop listening to Fox News and CNN. So I'm going to pull a Paul here and do that. <laughs> but peace to you. If you, listen, you're still, you're still working through stuff. Keep working through stuff. But I just want you to at least know that, like, there, start judging things by, by righteousness Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I think it comes down to uh, not judging and, and throwing in the sense of this. If someone um, believes different than you on a particular, whatever particular topic it might be, instead of thinking of them as uh, the Antichrist or like believing the best, like believing the best in their, in, in their motivation. Like, yeah. even though they think something should be handled differently than you think it should be handled. Like the whole kneeling or not kneeling. Like, believe in the best. Someone thinks they should be kneeling. It's not because they want to disrespect the flag, but that they want to uh, bring justice to all people. And if yeah. someone doesn't want to kneel, not that they want to bring injustice to people, but that they want to honor the, the country or people that served in it or whatever. Thinking the best as opposed to the worst. I love it. Very good, Chris. Excellent. I just uh, always, whenever I have a problem about when things are not, you know, I don't, can't understand what's going on or which side to take, I always think of the mighty words of our old friend, uh, 
Mark Fee. And that's whatever you do, do in the side of love. And I just go by that. Thank you. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, thank you. Good. See, so you guys have wisdom. You've got, you've got it. Mario says, we need sports back. <laughs> Amen to that. With that, uh, we'll hand it off.